I am a meat eater. I love cooking meat and eating it. It doesn't get much better than a perfectly cooked ribeye steak or pork chop. And as much as I love both of those things, there's more to meat than the glamour cuts. Beef isn't just tenderloin ribeye in New York Strip, just like pork isn't just chops, tenderloin, and ribs. I'll talk a little bit in this post about cooking those quote-unquote glamour coats, cuts. Excuse me. I think it's important that we all know how to cook those properly, but more importantly, I want to talk about the lesser-known cuts, the pieces of meat that we all walk by on a daily basis never giving a second thought to, the cheap cuts, the cuts that take real skill and knowledge to perfect. If you give a toddler a piece of beef tenderloin, they can probably make it delicious. Why? Because it's already delicious. With the more popular or glamour cuts, it isn't so much about what you do to them that makes them great. It's what you don't do. It is a matter of taking something that is already amazing and just not screwing it up. So what else is there? Well, let's take a look. I'm Chef Ben, this is Food in 5, and this is a chef's guide to cooking meats. Okay, let's take a second and actually talk about the glamour cuts first. So when it comes to steak, <clears throat> there are three main cuts. You have strip loin, tenderloin, and ribeye. Pretty much all other steaks are a variation or combination of these. For example, a T-bone steak is really just a strip loin and a tenderloin with the dividing bone still attached. A porterhouse is the exact same thing but cut from a different part of the loin. So a porterhouse is just a T-bone that's cut a little further down. Chateaubriand is cut from the thickest part of the tenderloin. So that's just a tenderloin but from a different part. Um, sirloin is essentially just a strip loin with the fat cap removed and cut from higher up on the loin. Now this may seem stupid at first. We have multiple names for the same things. But there's two main reasons for this. One is that it depends on where you live in the world. What we call beef tenderloin is known as filet of beef in Europe, for example. The other reason is that there are differences, subtle as they may be. If you have a whole strip loin or tenderloin, one end is considerably different than the other. Uh, strip loin is a really good example of this because one end actually has a big kind of line of gristle running through it where the other end doesn't. So it does matter, but it's all pretty much the same thing. Now, would the average person really notice these differences? Probably not, but they are different. So these, uh, there are other steaks like skirt steak, tri-tip, and flat iron, but these are different parts of the animal entirely, and they also take more skill to prepare than a tenderloin or a strip loin, and thus are less popular. So these fall into the other category, which I'll cover in a bit. Cooking steaks. Now I did a post a few months ago called Everything I Know About Steak, and I really focused on glamour cuts in that post. So rather than taking the time to repeat myself, I'll actually put a link actually I don't even know if I can do that I'll try and put a link in the description of this post and if I can't then just take a look scroll back through um, my previous posts and you'll find it there and there's a lot more information specifically about cooking steaks that I just don't have time to get into today and again that's called everything I know about steak same thing with ribs I did a whole post all about ribs I think it was called ribs 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 something like that I'll try and link to it, and if I can't, just take a look back through it. Pork cuts. So the glamour cuts of pork are really the tenderloin and the chop. And in all honesty, the tenderloin is my least favorite part of the pig. There's no fat on it. It is the least amount of flavor. And even if it is, and, and if it is even slightly overcooked, it is dry as all hell. Now, despite all of this, people love it. I don't really know why. 
pork chops and pork loin, not tenderloin, but pork loin, are the same thing. The difference being the bone. I prefer bone in pork chops because the bone helps to keep them moist and provides flavor. Whole pork loin, bone in or out, is good for roasting. Um, it can be stuffed or left as is. Cooking pork to temperature. Pork is one of those tricky beasts that freaks a lot of people out. There is a fear of eating undercooked pork, which leads a lot of people to overcook it. This is bad news bears. Overcooked pork is terrible. It is dry, it is tasteless, and it is joyless. On the flip side, perfectly cooked pork is a thing of true beauty. So if you're worried about eating undercooked pork, invest in an instant read thermometer. Cook all of your pork to 162 degrees Fahrenheit, let it rest to 165, and everything will be glorious. If you aren't that worried about it, which you really shouldn't be, cook all of your pork to 155, 158, and let it rest to 160, 165. A little bit of pink in the middle of your pork chop or pork loin is fine. It is desirable. You just don't want it to be rare. Pork cooking techniques. So when it comes to cooking pork, there are multiple techniques that you can use. For indoor cooking, uh, for pork chops and tenderloin, I suggest a two-stage cooking process. Start with a hot pan and brown the pork on all sides, then finish it in the oven at 400 degrees Fahrenheit. For outdoor cooking, a moderate heat is preferred. With pork chops, you may not want to cook directly over the flame of a barbecue because there may be a lot of flare-ups and then you end up with burnt pork. Now, the amount of time it takes to cook a pork chop or a whole loin or a tenderloin is really dependent on, a, on the size of it and how you're cooking it. If you took the time to sear pork chops in a pan before they go in the oven, they will take less time than if you put them straight in the oven. I don't really have a hard and fast rule for cooking times with stuff like this as there are way too many variables. Again, I would say get a thermometer and cook to temperature, not time. Skill cuts. So skill cuts are those cuts of meat that take more effort and skill to prepare, but that generally have a greater payoff. Yes, a perfectly cooked ribeye steak is amazing, but so is a melt-in-your-mouth beef short rib. Typically, the ribeye is going to cost you a lot more. These types of cuts include beef short rib shank, also known as asabuco, round, brisket, tongue, and cheek, to name a few. And for pork, we have shoulder, picnic ham, shank, belly, spare rib, and jowl. Um, and there's obviously more. The thing that all these pieces of meat generally have in common is that they're composed of muscle groups that get used a lot. The more a muscle gets used, the tougher it is. But more importantly, the more flavorful it is. With these cuts, someone who knows what they're doing can make a dish that will blow a perfectly cooked pork beef tenderloin out of the water. Cooking skill. Um, sorry, cooking skill cuts. Cooking, yeah, cooking skill cuts. Pretty much all these cuts of meat are best suited to long, slow cooking. That could be slow roasting, smoking, or braising. And the key is that the tougher muscle fibers and connective tissues need time to break down. Let's use beef cheek for an example. First of all, I'm using beef cheek because I know just about everyone listening to this cringed when I said that, and that is wrong. Beef cheek is amazing. It is important to remember that it's just another piece of meat. Other than toughness and flavor, there is no difference between beef cheek and beef tenderloin. And yeah, beef cheek tastes way better than beef tenderloin. So imagine how often the cheek of a cow moves every time they chew or moo. And I don't know if you've ever seen a cow, but they're pretty much always doing one of those two things. The cheeks get used more than almost any other muscle on the cow's body. 
So if you took that cheek, put it on a barbecue for five minutes per side and tried to eat it, you wouldn't be able to. You honestly wouldn't be able to chew it. It would be worse than leather. On the other hand, if you took that cheek, put it in a flavorful liquid and put it in the oven on low heat for four hours, maybe a little bit longer, it would melt in your mouth. You wouldn't need to chew it at all. When you're cooking meat on low heat for a long period of time, you don't need to worry about what temperature the meat reaches. The goal is texture and consistency. You're softening the meat. It's beyond well done. Breaking down the muscle fibers and connective tissue. Uh, the reason why you use a low heat is that the higher heat will, A, it'll, it'll just cook it way too quickly. B, the higher heat will actually kind of pull moisture out of, of the meat, um, making it dry and even tougher, where the lower heat actually allows the moisture to stay in the meat. Slow roasting. Slow roasting is the same idea, minus the flavorful liquid. In this case, the meat would be uh, rubbed with flavorings and put in the oven to roast on low heat for a long period of time. By low heat, I mean around 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Marinating and brining. So, um, often with these tougher cuts, they will be marinated or brined prior to being cooked. This imparts flavor and helps to keep the meat moist. The difference is that a marinade is mostly to impart flavor. A brine is mostly to retain moisture. That's all I really have time to get into about that today. But just Google the difference um, and you'll, you'll find it. And I'm sure I'll probably write. I think I have written a post about it, but I can't remember specifically. So in conclusion, there's so much more that I could talk about, but I'm out of time for today. This post is already way longer than it should be. I'll have to do a follow-up post at some point down the road. But I hope that this has given you at least an idea of what is possible and why you shouldn't just buy the Glamour Cuts. Also, I think it's important to mention that with slow roasting and braising of the lower end cuts, it may seem like three or four hours is a long time to be cooking something, but the effort is minimal. You really don't need to do much but wait. Put something in the oven at lunchtime on a Saturday or Sunday and it will be done in time for dinner. In the meantime, you're free to go about your day. With today's slow cookers, it's even easier to create something amazing from, from these lesser known cuts. Um, so try it. There you go. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food and Five brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. And this has been a chef's guide to cooking meat. I hope that you enjoyed this post. I know it's long. I'm sorry. Um, but that's it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another fantastic episode of Food and Five. Tomorrow is Thursday. That means it's Brief History Day. And we are going to take a look at the brief history of Brussels sprouts. Thank you as always for listening. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Chef Ben Kelly and on Facebook at Ben Kelly Cooks. And of course, you can like and subscribe to this podcast. You can tell your friends about it. You can even share it if you wanted to. I would really appreciate it. Uh, have a great day, everybody. Again, I'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon.